are back. QP Sports Exchange on the air again. It's Vince. We are going to do a free agency draft acquisition special today. We made some changes. First of all, um, if you can hear my voice, I'm losing it a little bit, so bear with me, but I couldn't leave you without a pod. So that's where we are with this. Hopefully I'll feel a little bit better and we'll get through this whole deal. We made some changes to what we're going to do. I know the machinations of this is crazy for everybody, but bear with us. Um, We're trying to accommodate a bigger fan base in the sense of we're going to split up football and basketball. So we're going to have basketball Mondays, B-ball Mondays, probably what it's going to be called, and then like a title after that, depending on where we go with what we're going to talk about. And then we're going to have football Fridays. So it gives time to give room for both sports. Um, This will also allow us to talk about the college game on both sides, um, give you predictions and all that sort of stuff. So we are going to give you two pods a week Monday and Friday so I'm gonna try to get this out today so you can listen to it because it is Monday today um a couple other things that are going on um I had some family issues that I needed to deal with that's why there was no pod last week we hit a little free agency the week before where it was like seven to twenty minute pods and last week we just had a lot of stuff going on at the house So, thoughts and prayers that have been given, they are appreciated, and we can do none of this without God. So, thank you, thank you, thank you to God for continuing us to see us through this season. Uh, With that being said, we are going to start the pop. So we are going to break down some of the critical teams that did stuff during the offseason. We're not going to hit every single team. Um, If there's a team of interest that you want us to hit or you just want to see what their possibilities are for the season, uh, keep in mind there will be like a preview special at some point. But also, if there's somebody that you really want us to focus in on, just hit us up on Twitter, QP Sports. That's at QP Sports. On Instagram, it is QP Sports Exchange. Okay, or you can hit me up on my Instagram, my personal one, which is question point underscore pod underscore Vince, and I will be more than happy to focus on your squad. But with that being said, we're going to hit some teams that uh, made some key additions that I think are going to be critical to their team. Um, we're going to talk about some up-and-coming teams, and we'll talk about maybe a couple of teams that we just scratch our head about, laugh a little bit at their expense, but we'll see. The first and foremost thing that I want to talk about in this whole entire thing is let's get the elephant out the room. At this point in the pod, Giannis has not signed his Supermax deal. Okay, so if you're looking at that as part of the offseason as well, which you should, because that's a critical piece, whether he signs it or not, is going to change the balance of power at some point. Keep in mind that there are a couple other big dominoes to fall, but I think the first one that has to fall before the other two can even start looking at possibilities of them falling, they got to understand the pecking order is that Giannis Antetokounmpo has to either A, sign his Supermax deal, or B, turn it down. We might not get this answer until literally close to Christmas time because I think the actual due date is like 21st of December, if I'm not mistaken. 
That's the first domino. Now, here's the deal with that. Let's talk about Milwaukee's offseason because their offseason is mightily important to what Giannis is going to do. When everything kind of broke, keep in mind with them, it all kind of broke all at the same time. And everybody's focusing on the Bogdan Bajanovic deal, which you should because that was important. Keep in mind, you know, how it went down. It was they were getting bogged down from Sacramento, and then literally right after that, the Drew Holiday thing came. There's a couple points to this. Let's talk about some of the notable additions. So they got Drew Holiday. They got DJ Augustine. He can be the backup point. That means Dante DiVincenzo can move over to the two guard. Um, they also signed Bobby Portis, Brent Forbes, and Torrey Craig. Now, Brent Forbes is kind of what Dante DiVincenzo is supposed to be. Um, and actually, DiVincenzo uh, should turn into a pretty good combo guard. I think he has the stroke. I think he has the creative ability to create his own shot as well. I think that might be a situation where it's just more seasoning on his part. But their losses, I mean, I, you look at the Eric Bledsoe thing, right? And you go, okay, Drew Holiday for Eric Bledsoe, that's a good upgrade. Losing George Hill and Wesley Matthews, there's some downgrade there, you know, defensively. Losing Robin Lopez was big. Um, losing Erisa, uh Ilasova was big. And not getting bogged down was Bajanovic was big. So when you look at that situation, if this is what you get Giannis to sign the Supermax for, I don't know if you've done enough, Milwaukee. And remember what we talked about in a previous podcast. When you were in the bubble and you were getting knocked out, he was going to look around and see if he had the proper help. So it was going to be a critical offseason. Now, here's the thing. We also talked about small market teams making huge mistakes that are going to affect them way down the road. Now, obviously, if Giannis stays, it's a good situation for them, and you you really don't care about what happens down the road. But here's the thing. When they made the Drew Holiday trade, they gave up a lot of future assets. Future assets and pick swaps. The problem with that is is that if Giannis doesn't sign, your team could be trash in a couple years. Easily. You all that fall, fall into purgatory where you're anywhere between the 6th to 10th seed every year. Or you do a complete overhaul and do a rebuild and start all over and try to build, get another franchise player in the draft and lottery. So... This is critical. This is what small market teams do to try to keep their superstars. And I do not fault them for doing this. What I do fault them for is, did they have an understanding with Giannis when they made this move that, hey, we are mortgaging some of the future that we know you're going to sign. If they did this blindly, if they said, we're going to do this to impress Giannis. We're going to do this to make a splash and show Giannis we are in it. We're trying to make it. We're trying to get there. That's a bad move. Bad move. Because if he does not sign, you are screwed. So, we hope and pray that that situation will rectify itself soon. That means the other dominoes then could fall. James Harden and Russell Westbrook. So we got two guys, two NBA all-pro team, all-NBA team guys. We got former MVPs, and they both want to be traded. Now, Houston really should just go ahead and strip it down. You know, get all the assets you can for, for Harden. Get all the assets you can for Westbrook. If you can get assets for Westbrook, I think you'll have to give up assets to get rid of Westbrook, just depending on the team 
and their lack of star power if that is what they're looking for. So we don't have really a lot of information on this right now. James wants to go to Brooklyn. If I'm the GM, you're going to go where I get the best deal. Uh, that's pretty much how that's going to go. We paid you a lot of money. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out here, but you were traded to Minnesota, if that's what it turns out to be, because they give us the best package. Now, we know in, you know, in, the, in the player empowerment era of basketball that that doesn't happen. So you got to orchestrate the best trade. The thing about it is, is that you still have Philadelphia out there. Um, you still have other teams that are out there that are contenders that might interest James in going to. Now it's who is going to have the best package out of that group. So there's probably about four teams that can take on James and give real assets back. Now the thing about it is, is the style of play. Because if you get James Harden, you know what you're playing. A lot of ISO, a lot of pick and roll, but him at the top of the key dribbling and all that where people stand on the side and watch him dribble. So if you're cool with that type of offense, then that's the guy you want to get. The problem is is that Golden State is not going to do that. They're about sharing and touching the basketball. Now, who else could use a guy like this? They say Philadelphia could use a guy like this, right? A guard, somebody who could spread the floor, open up the floor for either Embiid or Simmons. Now, the problem with that is, is that they do not, the 76ers do not want to give Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid in that trade. So what's the other trade piece? Tobias Harris, and a bunch of stuff. I can see where Houston wouldn't be interested in Tobias Harris. No shame on Tobias Harris. He got the bag. He scores 18 points a game, and that's what it is. But I can understand why Houston would not be excited about uh, Harden for Tobias Harris and stuff swap. So then you go to a team like Brooklyn, okay, I don't know how it will work with KD, Kyrie, and James Harden, but James did play with KD in Oklahoma City, so you have that to fall back on. And if he has what he considers contemporaries, true superstars on his team, will he defer? Maybe you're saying culture or culture between those three, talent will figure it out, right? like LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. Keep in mind, though, D-Wade and LeBron kind of played the same position, the slashing, playmaking type person, so they had to figure that whole deal out, and it took them a while to figure it out. And they weren't a really a good fit <clears throat> together. I mean, in the one of them needed, needed to be a shooter in that deal, right? So... You look at Kyrie and you look at James Harden, you see a lot of similarity, a lot of duplication there. So I don't know if that's the right fit, and I don't know how that would really go. And then you would give up a bunch of assets, right? It would be Karis LeVert, it would be Spencer Dinwiddie, it might be um, the young center out of Texas. Um, so, I mean, you would give up a lot to get that guy. I'm not really feeling that deal either. So then you go, okay, who are the other real contenders or the teams that are right there and could use an all-star guard? Okay, now the one, the one that you didn't think of is the Clippers, okay? Think about this. Houston and the Clippers have a trade kind of relationship. A couple years ago, right, it was Chris Paul going to Houston, and it was Pat Bev and a bunch of stuff coming back. Now, that actually turned out to be the building blocks to the new team that the Clippers have now, except for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Now, if you're the Clippers and you're sitting there and you're going, well, PG and Kawhi didn't work, could 
Kawhi and James Harden work. You have to ask yourself, is that an upgrade? That's an upgrade for the Clippers. That is an upgrade. That is something to think about. Now, will you have to have Kawhi sign off on this? Because he's your guy. Also, he's a free agent next year. So you got to get some buy-in from him to make this work. Okay? So you got to see if that's something that's a possibility. But that's the type of team that should think about James Harden. A team that is literally right there. But they need the next guy. That could be something that the Clippers look at. Another team to look at and say, hey, you know what? Maybe we should go all in. The problem is, will James Harden want to play there? Okay. So the next team that we'll look at is the Milwaukee Bucks. We just talked about Giannis. We talked about him staying. Is he going to stay? Is he not going to stay? Right? So how do you fix that? You get your James Harden. Okay, if you can get a backcourt of Drew Holiday and James Harden and have Anta Tacumpo, that's going to be something real to deal with in the East. Okay, now, is it realistic? Probably not. James doesn't want to go there. Okay, so you got to get places where you think James would want to go. L.A., he's from L.A., so you got that. Brooklyn, he has, an, he has a connection with KD because he played with him. Philadelphia, more is there. Now, the next team that fits the bill, who's looking to get over the top and win now, is the Miami Heat. Here's the one problem with the Miami Heat. They do not have the assets to give back to take on James Harden's salary. Because hooking up James Harden with Jimmy Butler... And if there was a way for you to keep Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, you'd be golden. But see, that's not enough back for Houston. They don't have the pieces to give to Houston. So really to tell me to tell you the truth, I think there are legit three teams that would take this on. I think Philadelphia is strongly um, contemplating taking on James Harden. I think Brooklyn is also thinking about kicking the tires on James Harden. And I also think that the Clippers are doing that as well. Now, the other team that a lot of people kind of said, oh, this would be a good fit. I don't see it as a good fit. And I think you would disrupt what they have. And that's Boston. Boston probably has the assets to give to Houston. Also, they just created that um, trade exception um, in the Gordon Hayward trade. So that would be a way to eat up a lot of that salary. Now, the only thing about that is, is that does he fit the philosophy of what the Celtics do? Remember, you have Jason Tatum. You have Jalen Brown there, two studs who get after it defensively. They like having the ball in their hand and all of that. So if you have James Harden, you know that's going to really inhibit those two players because, let's face it, if James Harden walks into the TD Garden, he's the star. It was just like with Kyrie. Kyrie was a star. James Harden would be the star. If he came to Boston. So the offensive philosophy fit doesn't work there. So it's really down to the three teams we talked about. Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and the Clippers. I think personally, if I'm Houston, I would love to have him outside of the West. But see, your team is going to be probably lottery bound. So do you really care at all anyway? So this this is food for thought for you.
Okay, we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers now. Everybody's like, wow, that's a surprise. We didn't see that coming. Get off me. You know I'm a Laker fan. And also, this is a team that is going to be really important to the NBA this year in the sense of they're going to be in the mix for the finals, right? So we got to talk about them. So let's look at the moves. All right, so Danny Green was, in a sense, replaced by Wesley Matthews. Not directly because the trade was uh, Danny Green to Oklahoma City and the 28th pick to OKC for Dennis Schroeder. So, but he's, in a sense, being placed, replaced by Wesley Matthews. Then you have Dennis Schroeder. Now, story just came out as of today that Schroeder says, I want to be a starter. I've done that bench thing. I've done that, you know, six-man thing for long enough. And I want to be a starter. So we'll see how that plays out. We'll see if the backcourt is Wesley Matthews and Katavis Caldwell-Pope. Or is it Dennis Schroeder and Wesley Matthews and then KCP comes off the bench in a capacity. So that's some training camp things to think about before we get into it, which we are like literally about not even two weeks away. Are you excited? Basketball is back. It's almost like it never left us, right? So then the Lakers got rid of their bigs. They got rid of JaVale McGee. They got rid of Dwight Howard. Now, I think the Lakers need a shot-blocking center. Their replacements for... JaVale and Dwight were Montrez Harrell, uh, which is an energizer bunny off the bench, somebody who's going to create havoc on the offensive end. He leaves a lot to be desired on the defensive end. But offensively, he's going to help you, and what you're hoping for is that he is motivated to get a bunch of offensive and defensive rebounds. So he kind of augments the fact that he's not really a, a rim protector. And then they got um, Marc Gasol. Now, Marc Gasol six years ago would have been super awesome. Marc Gasol now is probably serviceable. He's probably a vet that you can get 18 to 22 minutes from. He's a guy who can spread the floor because he can shoot the three. He shoots the three at about a 35% clip. Do not be tricked by the bubble, okay? Um, I think that in with this team, he knows he has a legit shot at winning the title. Um, he already has one. Um, to win one with the team that drafted you and all that, I don't think that makes any difference to him whatsoever. I just think that, you know, being a two-time champion is, like, more awesome than being a one-time champion. So, you know, if you're trying to kind of, had the career accolades this is something that maybe you want to do okay he's going to be a different center he's going to be a space filler he'll you know take charges so he won't uh, necessarily be you know getting you two blocks a game or anything like that but he will be somebody that people have to think about when they come to the link now um, is he the quickest uh, afoot no is he has the best agility? No. Is he super uber-athletic? No. But you have Anthony Davis as well. So, you know, maybe Anthony is going to pick up a little more uh, responsibility on the defensive end when it comes to that. Or the Lakers need to go out and get a rim-protecting center. Um, the thing about it is, is that who is out there to be had. This might be an in-season acquisition, okay? Keep in mind, in this whole thing, with the off-season being what it was, they lost Avery Bradley, they lost Rondo, they lost JaVale, they lost Dwight, they lost Danny Green. But keep in mind, they still have a 25-year-old Kyle Kuzma. And if you get that guy off to a hot start, first part of the year his trade value goes up now you can get whatever you need right you just got to make the money work you know how it is in the nba 
it's the mathematics of the NBA. So what you want to do is play this whole thing out. Maybe you don't start off with a rim protective center, but at the end of the day, you get the guy you need and kumbaya, and you just go forth into the playoffs that way. You don't have to be a complete team in uh, December. You can be a complete team in February when it counts, right? So you get yourself ready for the postseason. So that's the type of things that the Lakers are looking to do. I like their offseason. I think the one thing that Rob Polinka said in his interview was that he wanted the Lakers to get younger and he wanted pieces with Anthony Davis' time frame. Okay? Now, at the time of this pod being recorded, Anthony Davis still has not signed his contract. But do not trip. AD will be in the purple and gold. Do not worry about that. Now, I like what they've done. I wish they would have maybe gotten even one more shooter. Um, I was banging the tables for Bogdan Bogdanovich. He was out of their price range. He just They just couldn't get a guy like that. So now, you know, you might just have to be creative. Or the other thing that I've been hearing a lot of and the buzz is, is that the Lakers have a guy that they're really uh, intrigued by and excited about. And they said that he was killing it in the bubble. And that's Taylor Horton Tucker. So if THT comes out the out the blocks doing big things, it will be no surprise to me. That dude is 6'3", 6'4", with a 7'2", wingspan. Okay? 7'2". That's crazy to have that kind of wingspan. You kill for that kind of stuff. Um, he's able, he's stout enough to guard like a 3, the 2. Um, so... Man, this could be just like the secret weapon that they were just sitting there kind of going like, yeah, we'll get this dude ready and ready to go, and we'll just we'll roll with what we have. So they might be super supremely confident in what they have in-house where they didn't have to go out and get a wing or somebody who could shoot the three because they, they've already uh, recognized it and identified it and said this is our – you know, very inexpensive answer to that problem. Also, Marquis Morris signed. I thought that was key. KCP resigned. Those were key acquisitions, especially when you lost Avery Bradley. Avery Bradley was something that the Lakers needed. He was a tough defender. Okay? He got after it on the defensive end. He guarded the toughest assignment when it came to the guards. So losing him was hard. Um, But getting KCP and Wesley Matthews, that kind of just mitigated what they lost, right? It was kind of like, okay, that's an even swap. We're good there. So if THT becomes what he becomes, there's your piece that you lost with Rondo, kind of, and then you got a bigger piece in Schroeder, who's going to be able to maybe give you more offensive punch um, to begin with. Because keep in mind, the other thing is is that the Lakers played deep into the playoffs. They won the championship. So now we got to the next year. The next year is quicker. It's coming at them faster. So you're going to need contributions from Dennis Schroeder, Montrezl Harrell, uh, Wesley Matthews. You're going to need Kuzma to get 15 um, and, and get after it. So they got guys they felt that were going to be able to help them where if LeBron needed to sit out at night, don't trip, we're good, we'll, they got guys that will pick up the slack. So I think overall they did a great job. I think they're still the team to beat in the West, right? No, um, no surprise there, um, especially from coming from me as a Laker fan. But I actually really believe that. I think in the West, honestly, the Portland team got better. Um, but are they are they championship level yet? That's to be decided. I don't know if the Clippers got better. Um, obviously, the 
horrific news that Clay Thompson tore his Achilles was terrible. And I was looking forward to seeing what that was going to look like, right? With Steph, Clay, Draymond, James Wiseman, and the crew. But with Clay out, they're probably a playoff team. Might scare somebody, but you're not really super afraid of Golden State. That could be something of a mistake. We don't know. Steph might come out and score 35. We have no clue. But we'll see how it all takes shape uh, as the year comes into focus and we are playing actual games. The other team is uh, Denver, right? Did they get better? So let's look at their offseason a little bit. See, the problem is, is that sometimes you can do the right thing and then still end up paying for it. And Denver unfortunately, is not one of those teams. But they had somebody do something really kind of um, that just puzzled me. Okay, so we're going to get into it. Mile High Basketball, where you at? I'm talking to y'all. All right, get your stuff out, chill, and listen to your boy V. All right, so here it goes. The biggest problem with their offseason was losing Jeremy Grant. Now, it wasn't their fault. They offered him the same money. Jeremy wanted to be a bigger part of the lineup. He wanted to be a more impactful piece of the lineup. So he went to Detroit. Now, here's the thing. The money being the same, okay, you got a playoff team and a, and a team that literally is probably going to be one of the worst teams in basketball in the Detroit Pistons this year. Let's be honest. Motown, I love y'all, but let's not get it twisted. You guys are terrible. Okay? So, you're like, well, great. He can get up shots and all that. Well, no, not necessarily because Blake Griffin is on that team. And last time I checked, Blake Griffin is a bigger star than you, so he is the focal point of the offense. Also, they have a former league MVP on that team still, and that is Derrick Rose. So if you got Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin on the same team, you're still option number three, brother. That's what you are. That's what you're going to be. Okay, I don't care how they tell they're going to scheme it up for you. But when it comes to crunch time, they're going to look for Blake and D. Rose. Okay, no offense to you. Your skills offensively have definitely improved. But they're still going to look to D. Rose and Blake when it comes to crunch time. Now, getting back to Denver. Okay, so they lose Jeremy Grant. Now, they also lost Mason Plumlee. That's also their not, not their fault. Detroit decided that they are going to sign every center known to man. And they also gave Mason Plumlee a deal as well. Now, they bounce back. They get Jermichael Green from the Clippers. I think that was a big pickup. I think he's more of a four than a three. Um, if you're expecting Michael Porter Jr. to pick up the slack that Jeremy Grant left, that is a very intelligent observation on your part. Here's my only concern. Is Michael Porter Jr. going to give you the effort on the defensive side of the ball? And that's it. If he's going to give you the effort on the defensive side of the ball, maybe you, you're you upgrading. Because there's no doubt that Michael Porter Jr., uh, with the skill set, as tall as he is, that that dude could not be uh, Kevin Durant-like. Now, I know that's lofty, 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 lofty praise. I got it. But his skill set looks that way. He's silky from the outside. He got a good handle. Um, he's definitely tall enough where he can shoot over defenders because he'll be the s tallest small forward except for Kevin Durant. 
So, you know, if you're thinking in in house, that's how you're going to replace them, and that was the plan to begin with. Then losing Jeremy Grant wasn't all that bad. They even drafted well. I like the R.J. Hampton pickup late in the first round. I like the Zeke Najee uh, pickup also from Arizona. Um, I think that will give you athleticism. Um, if they both come and pack their defense, you know, PJs, we looking real good up in the Mile High City. So Mile High Basketball, that's your little update on everything. Okay, let's talk about the Miami Heat. All right. Um, I, I like what Miami did. I like that they used, they were still on the grind in the draft. Precious Achua looks like a guy that could definitely help Bam. Uh, pretty much from the get-go, right? Um, you got Mo Harkness, Mo Harkless, former Clipper, former Orlando Magic He's a 3-and-D guy, but without the 3. So, if he improves his jump shot, we'll see. Um, losing Crowder is big because the one thing about Harkless, he's not going to be able to be the guy that can switch on to a, a small ball center and be able to guard him. He's still pretty light where Jay Crowder was a thicker guy. So, that type of situation, I'm looking at that, is a little downgrade. But if you're not letting people in the lane, and that's where Avery Bradley comes into play. If you're not letting people in the lane, you don't have that problem. And I think there's enough ball handlers around Avery Bradley that he necessarily won't be asked to really distribute the basketball. He's more of a spot-up shooter and, like, defender. He's a 3-and-D wing. That's what he is. He's a smaller 3-and-D wing. Um, he can guard one, two, or three. Uh, threes, there's a problem a little bit because just the height because he's only like 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, uh, but as far as his compete level, he's not just going to let you get to the hole when you want to. Uh, you would definitely have to use your height advantage to be able to kind of um, stymie him. So that's what I look at with that. Overall, Miami looks you know, like they're right there. Again, they're ready to go back to the finals. Um, it's not a slam dunk. I still think, you know, you, Milwaukee be in the mix. Um, Boston be in the mix. Um, and, you know, maybe possibly, possibly Philadelphia will be in the mix. So you have some things to look at there. So let's look at Philly, right? Daryl Morey took over and said right off the bat, we got a base of floor. If you can shoot, if you can shoot three, you're coming. So, Danny Green, Seth Curry, Terrence Ferguson, Dwight Howard. But I do like the pickup of Tyrese Maxey in the first round. I like that pickup. I think you're going to get a guy who really loves to play the game, uh, will buy in on the defensive end, so maybe guard penetration will be less so I really like that pickup. And then being able to learn under Danny Green and, um, you know, people like that, that's always a, a blessing. So that's a good situation for them. Being able to get off of the Al Horford contract was key. I like that. Josh Richardson uh, was looking real good in Miami, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened to him in Philadelphia, and I hope he's able to regain it, you know, playing in Dallas, so I look forward to seeing that and seeing how that um, transformation works, especially when you have a guy like Luka on your squad where spotting up and shooting is going to be a little bit easier, and they got other guys down there that can shoot the three as well, so I think that'll take a lot of pressure off of Josh and I hope that he was able to flourish in his new role. But 76ers said, listen, we are going to get shooters on the perimeter to open it up for Embiid and Simmons to do their thing. 
they're going to be a lot more effective when one or one of them are off the court as well. Um, we will see if it all works together, right? We'll see if Ben can improve his outside shot enough where he can be just, okay, listen, we got to worry about him in that 18-footer, right? Um, if he can do that, I mean, he's going to be unstoppable, unstoppable. He's a wizard with the basketball. It's 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 super ugly uh, when a 6'10", 240-pound guy is coming at you and you have no idea what he's going to do. So that's going to be real interesting. I think Daryl saw that there obviously needed to be some tweaks to the lineup. I think they are regretting allowing J.J. Reddick to leave uh, a year ago. I think they, obviously they overpaid for Tobias Harris. And if there's some way they can get another shooter because they traded Tobias, that might be the best thing for them. But the 76ers look different. I don't know a different world equate to success but they do look different right um and sometimes different is better and maybe you can now look at Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and tell those two kids to grow up and get get after it get after your conditioning get after your shooting um get after it so we can go ahead and start really contending for titles in the city of brotherly love. Couple quick hits. Okay, Charlotte, you should feel good about this. There's going to be a lot of naysayers out there talking about bringing in Gordon Hayward. The one thing that you need to understand about this is that he's a good enough player to get LaMelo Ball's attention. He's a productive enough player for LaMelo and P.J. Washington to um, learn from. So that's the citizen that you got, and you got a productive player. Now, is he a superstar? No. Is he worth $30 million? Probably not. But what he is going to be worth to the kids is monumentally important. That's probably where, if you think about it, like $10 million of his salary is going towards. Is how can he help LaMelo be a pro, um, give guidance and wisdom to P.J. Washington, and give him some, you know, inside the NBA type info on how to play the position. So that's that that's that on Charlotte. Now, a couple other teams that I want to kind of really hit on. The Dallas Mavericks had a had a pretty good off season and it's really what they did in the in the draft. I like the Tyrell Terry pick and the Tyler Bay pick for what they already have on the team. The problem is is that Porzingis is hurt again. Um, and they don't know if he'll be ready for the start of the season. So you're kind of, what does the team look like when it's all healthy? Well, we still haven't really seen it yet. So, you know, I think this might be, I know they gave him the extension, but, you know, at some point, you know, the clock starts ticking on Luka as well. So you want to make sure that the pieces around Luka are really inviting pieces that say, hey, we want to win with you. So, um, and keep in mind, they kept themselves open to the Giannis sweepstakes. So, you know, that's still floating out there in the ether as well. So, Dallas did a pretty good job. I really like what they did. The trade for Josh, we're just saying, like I said, I hope that really kind of rekindles his career and get him going. So I'm good with that as well. Um, The other thing that was key 
is everybody is talking about what New Orleans did. And I'll tell you what. This is what I think about what, um, I'm not, or New Orleans, I'm sorry, what OKC did. I apologize about that. That was OKC. It's one of those things where you sit there and you go, well, you know, they did what they had to do. They had to tear it down. Now, they did. And they were smart about it. And I'll tell you why. The picks that they got. Okay. Here's the thing. A lot of talent left. Okay. There's no question about that. But here is where I am impressed by what they got back. They got back professionals. Al Horford. George Hill. Now these are pieces that you can probably spend later down the road, right, for more assets because they got, what, 17 first-round picks until 2027, something like that. They might be able to spend those guys for a couple more assets as well down the road. They got Trevor Ariza. That's another guy that you could probably spend for something down the road. They took a flyer on T.J. Leaf. T.J. Leaf never panned out in Indiana. Maybe a new lease on life will help him. Um, maybe having athletic guards where they're getting into the paint and kicking it out to them. Maybe that'll work. The first round pick, uh, Pukashevsky, everybody's high on this kid. I don't know if he's ready. I don't know if he's ready to play this year. They might stash him for another year, get him stronger. That would be my thing to do. You're not going anywhere this year. So if you can get him kind of stash and dash over in Europe for another year, that would be great. Um, and then it comes to the picks, right? So the thing that I like about is that you still got Shea Gilgis Alexander there, okay? You got some pieces to kind of build around. Plus, you brought in some veterans that can help the kids grow. Still, right? The maturation process of the kids. That's what we're looking for. And then you're going to have picks galore from here until the backhand, the, the back end of this uh, decade. So the kudos to them and the job that they did um, kind of knowing that they had to tear it down, knowing that they had to get into a situation where um, get out of the rust contract get you know Paul George was leaving you know CP3 wasn't long for them so kudos to them for getting maximizing their assets and not panicking Houston should take note do not trade Harden or Westbrook until you get the deal that you are looking for and that's what OKC did. They OKC they just stayed to the they stayed to the process. They didn't flinch. They took back CP3. Everybody was like, "Are you kidding me? That contract is crazy." And they turned him into an asset. He had a great year last year. He got into the playoffs, which was not expected, right? And then you know, they traded him off to Phoenix, who was now looking to get to where OKC was last year. So. That's what you're looking at there, right? So, kudos to OKC and what they've done. So, we did bring up Phoenix, right? Man, we'll go ahead and talk about them real quick. Okay, so they get Chris Paul. They get Jay Crowder. I think that's a really good pickup. Um, Langston Galloway, Etwan Moore, uh, and Jalen Smith in the draft. That was the reach. That was where everybody was kind of like, mm, probably would have. Probably would have traded with Boston and got like the 14th pick and the 26th pick back for the 10th. That's probably what I would have done. And still got Jalen Moore right with the 14th pick, right? <clears throat> and just gain more assets. You know, so there's, the you know, a little fault right there. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, they're living off the whole um, how Cameron Johnson did last year. And, you know, people are kind of saying, well, you know, Jalen fits their, you know, their vision of what their team should look like. Well, you know, get them at 10. I believe that you could have got them at 14 and got another asset for it. That's just my personal belief. That's the, that's what I would have done if I was the GM. 
obviously I'm not. They are seeing something that I'm not seeing. So we'll see how it all plays out in a couple years. Uh, I think that obviously bringing in Chris Paul to run your team is a fantastic situation. You still are worried because he's 35, 36 years old. He has an injury history of like, you know, muscle pulls and things of that nature, groin and uh, hamstring and calf injuries and stuff like that. So you got to look out for that. So, you know, I would try to keep Chris at a 26 to 30 minute deal um, in the regular season, have some of the low management built in because you really want him for the postseason. So is whatever you can do to keep him fresh and keep him spry for the postseason will do your team a whole heck of a lot of good because nobody's going to want to play a team with Chris Paul and Devin Booker on the same squad because the Valley of the Sun is rising, folks. Okay, we're going to get into a little college basketball. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of my perspectives on what I saw over the weekend. First and foremost, the kid out of Gonzaga, Suggs, that kid looks super legit. He looked very in control. It didn't seem like the game was uh, fast for him at all. Um, He was very efficient with his scoring um, and the way he played, playmate off his, uh, off his dribble drive. So I was like, wow, this is crazy. This kid came in and just wrecked it first game. The other kid, obviously, that we got to give a shout out to is Kay Cunningham. Oh, this is a different type of animal right here, man. Yo, 6'8", two guard, can handle the ball, has his own set of gears that just seems to be a little bit different than everybody off, throws him off. He's athletic, gets into the passing lanes, and I just saw a guy who was 18, and he looked like an upperclassman. He looked like, oh, yeah, I'm the best guy on the court. No questions. Yeah, that's – don't worry about it. I'm the guy. You do not have to worry about who's taking the last shot at all because I got you, coach. So those two players really stood out to me. Now, as a UCLA fan, this is where Coach T would talk about, you know, North Carolina – And at some point he will. He has been working real hard. He's he's picked up. Coasty has been working real hard. Um, We're trying to effort to make it work where our schedules work. Um, Right now we're just taking a little hiatus. We'll see what we can do in the future. I don't think. You've seen the last of Coach T at all. I think it's just, we just got to get our schedules right. So, shout out to you, Coach T, Mud Talk Podcast. But we're not going to talk about UNC right now. We're going to talk about UCLA. I saw the first game. The San Diego State game reminded me a lot of the Michigan State game last year where you saw upperclassmen really showing Tiger Campbell and others that you still got a long, long way to go, young man. So then they came back and they played Pepperdine. And I know it was three overtimes, and I know they probably shouldn't have even been in that situation, but the grit that they showed and the determination they showed, because they could have left. They could have left the San Diego area 0-2 real easy. But they persevered. They figured it out. Chris Smith knows that he is the guy. He's the only guy who can get his own shot, it looks like. Jules Bernard can do a little bit, but he has to uh, 
get his outside shot fixed uh, before we can crown him as another guy who can get his own shot. He can dribble to the hole real, real slick-like, but that outside shot needs some work. We have not seen Johnny Jazang yet. Um, he's had some sort of foot ailment where it was like, uh, they called it like, not a stress fracture, but like a um, a stress reaction. So they kind of kept him off the court. I'll be looking forward to seeing Johnny Jazang in a UCLA uniform real shortly. The other kid that we got to talk about is uh, Josh Christopher. This dude at Arizona State is getting really after it. And the thing that I really loved about his game is another guy who just didn't seem like a freshman. He looked very comfortable in his surroundings uh, on the basketball court. So those are the guys that I saw that really impressed me the first week. Um you know, Kentucky losing to Richmond yesterday. You know what? Cal will turn that into something great. North Carolina winning. That was <clears throat> no-brainer. So, we kind of, you know, the Blue Bloods are doing what they do. So, we'll see how the season plays out. I'm looking forward to a couple games. Let me see what's coming up in the next couple days in college basketball. Well, We'll probably be able to talk about the UNC UNLV game that's going on pretty much right now. It just started uh, at four o five Pacific Standard Time. You know when I can get the words out. Yeah, we'll get. We want to get into both. So it's going to be basketball Monday, b-ball Monday, and football Friday, and. So everybody is covered. Nobody has to worry about, oh, did they talk about this? No, we're going to have a podcast strictly for basketball, and we're going to have a podcast for football. Don't worry, wrestling fans. Don't worry, baseball fans. I got something for you coming. Don't worry about yourself because it's coming because that's what I do. So I'm glad to be back with you. It's been a real trying time in the house. Um... We're going to get through it. We we just got a lot of love for one another. And the season that we're going through, the storm that we're going through, we feel confident and we proclaim victory over it because God is good, pleasing, and perfect. So I just want to thank everybody for the well wishes on that. And also, I just want to say, look for Football Friday on Friday. I'm looking forward to that. And we'll see if we can get Coach T at some point, get the schedules together, and get that back on track. So, QP Sports, at QP Sports, that's the Twitter. The Instagram is QP Sports Exchange. My personal Instagram is question point underscore pod underscore events. That's how you can get at me, get at us, leave us your information, what you want to talk about, what you want us to talk about, if you want to get in and start contributing, that's another way to do it as well, and I have news coming next week, it's going to be big, I'm excited about it, I've been sitting on this for a couple weeks now, and I cannot wait to bring it to you. We might even have it for Football Friday. So stay tuned for that. Well, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Be kind to your neighbors. Do something to help out somebody today. And understand whatever you're going through, whatever is going on in your life, there's always a better day coming. And I just know that for you. And I pray that for you. Whoever you are, I pray that the better day is coming. And with that, we're out. I love all y'all. All y'all. Shouts out to Mud Talk Podcast. Shouts out to my wife, who I love dearly. Shouts out to my mama, four foot eleven white lady. And shout out to my niece, Marley. I love you, baby. We'll 
be talking to you on Friday, right? Football Friday comes to you starting this week. Look out for it. And with that, we out.